Hey, it's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show. We got a loaded interview for you today. Brian Williams, Max Williams' dad. Stay tuned because he has some good Jerry Kill and PJ Fleck conversations that he thinks is going to happen this week. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every 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 day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. I'm excited today because I solved the mystery. There was a Brian Williams mystery, and I solved it. But you're going to have to find out. I'm just letting you know. I was a little Belichick-ish with this one, Brian DeBall versus, versus Brian Flores, but I solved the Brian Williams mystery i solved it like i i really solved the crime but no you'll you'll have to stay tuned to figure out what happened i'm gonna just tell you this i text the wrong person and it ended up being a bonus so but we're gonna talk about that coming up later on the ron johnson show and it's brian williams from the gophers his son max williams plays for the arizona cardinals find out what him and max like to give each other crap for and max has some some, some things to, to explain to us about his workouts and what he does in the offseason. But before we get to that, Locked On Sports Minnesota is the proud partner with Care 11. Check out care11.com backslash locked on for the links for every one of our locked on shows, whether it's the Twins, Vikings, Wolves, or Wild. Care has you covered. Also, check out Superior Sports Talks, Reggie Wilson bringing the sports every night on Care 11. Locked On Sports Minnesota. Endless Vikings talk with local experts. Quick word from betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at your number one online source for odds, lines, and games. And they've got every line from the upcoming NFL season, I can tell you that. Find reviews and news of every league. And it's not just NFL, it's MLB, NBA, NHL, eSports, and even Golf Tour Championship yesterday was unbelievable. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering info from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They've got you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening. Bet Online, where the game starts. And now it's time for the Hanging with Ron Johnson segment on the Ron Johnson Show. A funny story about my next guest. Guy by the name of Brian Williams. Uh, if you don't know or not familiar with him, played for the Gophers, played in the NFL for the Giants. But we're, we're going to have a different Brian Williams on in about a week. Uh, but the funny story was I pulled up Belichick. So Belichick had a whole Brian Flores, uh, Brian DeBow text issue. He texted the wrong Brian, congratulating him for the job. Well, I now feel like Belichick, you know what? You're exonerated in my eyes because I literally just did that. Like I text Brian Williams about seeing him at training camp. And Brian just went on with it, uh, but he did. He was a pro player, so doing interviews is nothing new to him. His son is an NFL uh, player as well. As, uh, Max Williams played for the Gophers, now the Arizona Cardinals. And it took a phone call for me to realize I was talking to the wrong Brian. Uh, so good news is we got Brian Williams on. As Brian Williams joins me on the Ron Johnson Show. Man, how is it going, Brian? How's life? Good morning, Ron. Thanks for having me. No, life's good. We're... Uh... Been super busy, and now with the season coming up with Max, uh, hopefully we'll be traveling traveling every weekend. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, so let's jump into that. So you got gopher football. 
but then you have your son who's an NFL player. So sounds like his games come before catching a gopher game here or there. So how, how has that been, uh, being able to follow him in the NFL from the Ravens to the Cardinals? You know what? Um, when Max came out early leaving the Gophers and when he was drafted, um, you know, it, it was hard because we were and still are, you know, a dedicated Gopher family. And, um, you know, sometimes it's hard because you do miss some great games with the Gophers and, you know, we still, you know, try to follow them. And it's amazing out in Arizona how many games we actually do get on TV. So, uh, you know, we're actually able to see a lot of them. So. Yeah, and so jumping into your Gopher memories, let's go back to your Gopher days. You and I were just talking. You came in, like many a player, came in to play one position, ended up playing another. Uh, what did that transition look like? And you mentioned you had gained 100 pounds within five years. Uh, what did that look like at training table and, and just you, you know, seeing yourself get bigger, stronger, and, you know, looking back like, hey, I was a tight end one day, now I'm an offensive tackle. What was that transition like? Um... I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, Jim Huber recruited me, um, you know, out of Pitt. I grew up in Pittsburgh. And I probably two weeks into the first camp that I had, I got moved offensive tackle. And Coach Huber told me jokingly, you know, he, he thought I was a pretty good athlete, but I couldn't catch. So they moved me to tackle. Well, I was 200 and probably at the time, 220 pounds. And I was just getting rocked, uh, just thrown all over the place. And, you know, I, I came from a, a really good high school program, uh, Mount Lebanon and uh, again in Pittsburgh. And I thought I was ready for big time college, but I was wrong. Um, I ended up, I quit. Not many people know that, but I quit and I had packed up all my bags and back then we, well, we had people's express airlines where you actually got on the airplane, gave them a credit card. They swiped it and I flew back to Pittsburgh. Well, I got home about three o'clock in the morning and my mom and dad were sleeping and, you know, I woke up my mom and she started crying she didn't know why I was there. And my dad kind of looked at me and he said, I'll talk to you in about an hour or two. Well, we got up early and we went up to the high school track and we walked probably at least three hours just talking about life and football and school. And um, I was very fortunate. Uh, my dad was an All-American quarterback at Notre Dame and he understood everything that I was going through. And probably within five hours, I was back on a plane to Minnesota and my roommate didn't even know that I had left because that's how just how quick it was. <laughs> and I'm very fortunate that I did hang on. Um, it was rough. Um, you know, I just had to suck it up and get in the weight room. And, you know, I'm everything I owe to, to coach Bob Rody. Um, you know, we would work out every Saturday together. We'd go out, we'd have breakfast together. And he kind of set me on the right path. Um, I don't know, I guess for, for life, that was just a, a really a, a great life moment for me. Wow, Coach Rody, yeah, he was 
he was there when we were there. Uh, yeah, because yeah, I got a good – the only Rhodey story – because Rhodey didn't do football. By the time we got there, he was more of like the uh, overseer liaison of the weight room, and he just kind of managed yeah. some of the uh, track and other sports. But I'll never forget seeing Brock Lesnar because we had a big sign. Because our my, my junior year summer – uh, it was big on take your shirt off, show the girls what you did all summer. And so all the guys were coming in shirtless with spandex. And Rhodey got sick of it because then the girls, like, would take off their shirts and they're in their sports bras. And you got, like, gymnasts, right. track girls. You know, it, it, it just became like, hey, wait, this is not Muscle Beach. So he put a sign up on the door that said no shirt, something. It was like one of those restaurant signs, like no shirt, no workout or something. Right. No shirt, no shoes, no workout or something like that. And I'll never forget, we were all in there stretching, and Brock Lesnar walks in, shirtless, in some wrestling tights, does a couple pull-ups, starts working out. We all look over at Rhodey. Rhodey literally closed his door and was like, he made a business decision. He's like, this is not the problem. Like, I'm about to retire. Confronting Brock Lesnar about putting his shirt on is not what I want to So that's what I remember, Bob. So I did not know Rhodey was uh, integral. So that's, that's cool because – I know I'll see him, I think this, uh, not this week, but like in a couple of weeks for the M Club Hall of Fame induction deal. Um, but jumping into, you know, Max, so you talked about playing tight end. How much, did, you know, was your tight end career, were you able to actually help your son out, seeing as that he came in as a tight end? And was there ever a chance that he was worried, like, man, my dad was a tight end and turned to a tackle. Is that going to happen to me? Like, what did, what did that look like? I think the biggest thing that I was able to teach him, more or less, was blocking techniques. Um, you know, and, and hand techniques and thing and footwork and stuff like that. Um, you know, we, it's so similar, especially when I played, um, the tight end is in, in, in today's game is so important as far as a blocking aspect of the game. And I think, um, well, hopefully I taught him something. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, you can just see. You know, Max is considered a, a blocking tight end in the NFL. And, um, you know, when he got hurt last year, you could just really see that, you know, the running game really fell off because I, I'd like to say because of Max's blocking. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, hopefully I can, like I said, uh, have taught him something. And looking at, so let's, let's fast forward, you know, the roll the boat, you know, I'm wearing a shirt, the roll the boat. Uh, means a lot to a lot of different people. Some players don't understand it. Some players really get it. Put your oar in the water. Just roll. Don't worry about where you're going. Just listen to your coach and go. Um, when you think about all the coaches, you know, the Tim Brewsters, uh, I mean, the Glenn Masons, because you were here for that too. So the Glenn Masons to Tim Brewsters to then, you know, Jerry Kill, Tracy Clays for a quick year, now P.J. Fleck. Um, where, where do you see this program going um, under P.J. Fleck? You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a step back, you know, with Coach Kill, um, you know, I think he brought back respectability to the program. I think he brought in some really good recruits. I think um, Coach Kill really tried to keep guys here, uh, again, with Tracy being a, just a year. But I think now, you know, Coach Fleck, he had just elevated the program as far as excitement and credibility and uh, enthusiasm and his recruiting ability, I think is just outstanding. And I don't even know, I don't, don't want to even be a 
a coach in the Big Ten to recruit it because there's so many good programs here. And I just think that Coach Fleck has the ability to go out and, and get really good recruits and then go ahead and, you know, he takes, as, as you know, he's taking kids and molding them into men. And to me, that's extremely hard where when you take the next step into the pros, they just kind of, as you know, just kind of mm-hmm. tweak you a little bit. And I just think that, you know, which, which Coach Fleck is, has the ability to take these kids and mold them into the men. And you could just tell, you know, graduation rates. It's unbelievable the accountability that he holds with these guys, kids that turn into, you know, to men. And um, I just think, I think that the program is in a great direction. And, you know, hopefully everybody stays healthy. And I think they could make another run at it this year, you know, with the Big Ten Championship. Yeah, and Max played under the kill system. Uh, I, I totally agree. Yeah. I think Tim Brewster uh, had, had the wrong, con- you know, or he had a misconception about what he could do at Minnesota uh, as far as, you know, I'm just going to recruit Texas. I want to play Texas. I want to beat Texas. Like, he was he was too caught up in that. Um, I think Kill took an overall approach um, of the program and realized, you know what, I got to recruit what I can get, and then I'm going to turn this into a great program. Uh, I'm going to go after the guys that I know fit my system, and I think PJ has that as well. Uh, there was a weird yep. transition. You know, Keel had to leave for health reasons, and then Tracy Clay stepped in for a year. And we all know Tracy Clay is a great defensive coordinator, but probably not suited to just run a program of that magnitude that early. Um, and so right. Keel took exception to how the U handled, you know, firing Clay's and then bringing in PJ, and then PJ's comments about changing the culture. And I think Jerry misunderstood what PJ meant by that, just meaning it doesn't matter who was the coach before. Uh, it's just, it's got to be my program now. And you start to see Jerry backpedal a little bit and say, you know what, maybe I did come in a little too hot. Maybe I was a little too emotional. Minnesota was the best thing that ever happened to me. I hear those statements and I'm like, you know what, that's just a man not being able to express his feelings. And as a man, you know, that you've been in locker rooms where guys could be tired. They could be hungry. They could be sad. They could, you know, you know, be frustrated. But at the end of the day, it's going to come off as anger. Um, right. When you think about who Coach Kill is, because you know him, um, and, and his, you know, now thinking like, well, maybe I went too far. Do you think that eventually after this game versus PJ Fleck that he will just let it go? You know what? I hope he does. Um, knowing him personally, I, it, I think you use the right word. I think he just got really frustrated. Um, you know, like I said, he, he built a program up. He was in the beginning of it. Uh, when Max was recruited, I always remember, you know, my wife and I, Rochelle, um, we were sitting in his office when he offered uh, for a scholarship. Um, He just said, you want to be in the bottom of this? You know, we'd love to have you because we're going to build from the bottom up. And he did. And, you know, when, when Coach Fleck came in, he didn't take anything away from that, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think that um, he just built on it. And that's, Credit to Coach Kill and obviously Coach Clay's, you know, it, it just was a year. But, um, mm-hmm. again, I think, like I said, you used the right word. I think he just was frustrated. Yeah, because, you know, and unfortunately we all know what happened in Minnesota uh, during Clay's term. And so I think if those players had been under Kill, I don't think that situation happens oh, the way yeah. it does. Um, but at the end of the day, you can't stop men from making mistakes. And, and that's what it was. It was a huge mistake by a couple men, and it just put a – 
a, a bad look on the program for a little bit. And I think that's what PJ meant. I got to change the way these men see the world, the way they operate, uh, which had nothing to do with Kill. And I think Kill just took it personal. These were freshmen that were recruited by Clays as well. So, you know, it wasn't really Kill's thing, but he just took it personal. But right. you know what? Like, we're going to end it there. We're going to jump into the daily three as we bring Sam Ekstrom into the show. We're going to have three questions, three minutes each. So he'll take a minute 30. I'll take a minute 30. Or he can take two minutes. I don't care. But we're going to have Sam jump in and start with the daily three. All right. Both of you are Gophers alums. So I want you to go back in time. Think about when your careers took place. Um, Brian, we'll let you start here if you want. Who was your biggest rival when you were a Gophers athlete in the Big Ten? Oh, um, as far as team goes or player goes? Yeah, team. What team, team? did you just want to beat? What trophy did you want the most? That's not even – that's the easiest question in the world. It was Ohio State. <laughs> um <laughs> We, we, we could never touch those guys. And, and I, it got really frustrating, but I'm going to tell you one story. We're playing Ohio State. It's 24 nothing at halftime. We're winning. We ended up losing that game 31-24. They just came out a totally different team in the second half. And um, I was very fortunate enough to play against Chris Spielman, the great linebacker. And it was like he turned the game completely around. And uh, that was just so frustrating because of my five years here at the U, um, we, we just never came closer to those guys. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like we were nervous about playing them. Um, they just had such great teams and uh, they were just unbeatable back then. But it is what it is. We never beat them. <laughs> So, yeah, I'd say for me, it's got to be, yeah, I'd say for me, it's got to be Wisconsin and Iowa. Um, but, and that was only because of those games. Like Iowa, when I was there three out of four years, we had the pig. We finally beat Wisconsin my senior year, but we had like two games that went so close and we got screwed by the refs. Uh, overtime was the one with Ron Dane. Uh, they completely hosed us. And then the other one was at Wisconsin, started off hot. Um, and then they just kind of slowly flagged us to death and, and let them get back into the game. Uh, and, and Glenn Mason, I don't know what it was, but he was notorious for that, getting the lead and losing it in bowl games and big games like that. Iowa was one of the few we held off, but Purdue, another one, we let them drive down and, and hail marry us and, or throw a last play. We had Northwestern hail married us to beat us. Uh, but Penn State. That's one that I kind of had like a two to three year rivalry with that I really wanted to beat. And the only reason was because my best friend, Spice Adams, we went to high school together. He went to Penn State. I My last visit was to Penn State, but Minnesota kind of won me over. Uh, so telling Joe Paterno uh, that, I, you know, I'm good. I committed to Minnesota. Um, I wasn't one of those kids who was going to take a whole bunch of visits after I committed. Once I committed to Minnesota, I told every coach. I told Lloyd Carr at Michigan. I told Nick Saban at Michigan State. And then I told um, – Joe Paterno at Penn State that, hey, I'm, I'm good. And, and I'll never forget Jay Paterno, his son, kind of giving me that like, uh, okay, like as if like, oh, you're going to regret this. And so that's why we beat them my, my sophomore year in Penn State. And then my junior year, we crushed them in Minnesota. 
the first person I went up to was Jay and, and shook his hand and just kind of looked him in the eye. And, you know, and he, you know, kind of gave me the nod like, yeah, okay, okay, you guys are better than we thought you were going to be. Uh, but, yeah, no, Penn State was my secret rival that I enjoyed beating because of, <laughs> you know, what they thought when I committed to Minnesota over them. I'll finish well, you had some amazing finish games against them, too. I'll finish your story, Ron. Max beats Penn State at home. What do you think happens to the trophy after they get it? Max broke the Penn State trophy on the field. <laughs> the governor's bail. <laughs> I'm like, Max, you just broke the trophy. <laughs> so it was funny. You know what's funny? When we beat Penn State, I didn't even know we were getting a trophy. Like, I had no idea. Like, to this I didn't day, know it was a trophy either. I didn't know. Like, to this day, when I watch that video now, I don't think anybody actually went and got the trophy. We were all <laughs> celebrating with Dan Nystrom. I seriously, now that you say that, I got to watch that video back. Maybe Mason grabbed at the end, but I don't think like, because Iowa, Wisconsin, we knew we took off running, but yep. Penn State, we were just celebrating with each other. I don't think we ever saw that thing uh, until we maybe got on the plane and one of our coaches had it and we were all like, oh, there's a trophy for this? Oh, So yeah, that was, yeah, it's just not one of those, you know, the governor's bell that nobody no. cared about that. We just wanted to beat them because they were no. number two in the country, but that's hilarious that Max is the yeah. one that broke it. Broke it. That's no way. Oh, man. Well, at least he didn't fumble so the ball. So another though. Gophers question for you. True. Another Gophers question. When you look at the 2022 Gophers, what is the game that they absolutely need to win? Which date on the calendar are you circling and saying that's a must win for Minnesota? Ron, we'll start with you this time. I'm going to say September 1st versus New Mexico State. Not only is that I have to win, they have to win by a lot. Like, it can't be close. Like, it can't be one of those, like, I mean, two to three scores, but you just can't put any, because we saw what happened with Bowling Green. You got Jerry Kill. ESPN is now hyping this handshake heard around the world up. Um, Pre-game, they're going to have a camera-by-camera camera PJ and Kill. The whole game, like, they have to win that game. But then, of course, other than that, they have to be, I mean, I think the next one on that list for me is just going to be, uh, I think, Michigan State. Whichever their first Big Ten game, I think it's Michigan State because that's going to set the yep. tone for the rest of the season. And so that first Big Ten game, even though Colorado is a really good opponent, um, nothing against them, but I think that first Big Ten game, you really set the tone for who you are in the Big Ten. Even though they're in the East, you can set that tone early. And so I got to go with Jerry Kill to start the season off, but then that first Big Ten game, because we know what Wisconsin and Iowa mean, in my opinion, but that first one, you got to really just show like, hey, we are a serious team. We're going to fight for the West this year. Because if you get blown out by Michigan State, then hey, that's going to be tough to mentally overcome. In my opinion, I'm going to have to agree with you, Ron. Um, I think with all the distractions with New Mexico and Coach, you know, Coach Kill coming to town and stuff like that, um, you know, the players, and, and you've been in that situation too, um, you really have to focus on the football game. You can't allow yourself to get caught up with all the other stuff on the field. Um, and as a player, ex-player, I know going into that first game of the season, especially in college, it's probably the most important because that's going to set the tone for the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think with Coach Kill and Coach Fleck, I, in my opinion, I don't think anything's going to happen. I think they're both going to be in the middle of the field. Pre-game, I think they're going to be shaking hands. I think they're going to probably just talk football. And I think, um, you know, again, the starting point is New Mexico State. And I agree again with you, the first Big Ten uh, 
seasonal game. Um, I just know, you know, when, when you and I played, we didn't have so many of the non-conference games in the beginning. Yep. So, you know, we, we didn't have that. We went, we jumped right into the big 10, but now it just seems like in the last 15 years, that first game, you know, I, I remember playing like North Dakota and things like that. You have to be focused. I mean, just because they're New Mexico State doesn't mean they're not a, a quality program. They are. They're right. they're a good team. And you just can't take those games for granted. And um, again, I think with Michigan State, you got to go out. And you have to set the tone right away in the Big Ten and say, "Hey, we're for real. We're Minnesota, and you know we're going to go after the Big Ten championship." And then you've got uh, November 19th and November 26th, Iowa and Wisconsin to end the year. I mean, those yeah. are just going to be enormous, too. So a lot of big games for the Gophers this season. Last question, and Brian, I'll give you all three minutes here if you have it, if you want it. I got to ask you about your Giants career. You go in playing as a rookie under Belichick. Um, I'm sorry, under Parcells. Belichick is there as well. I'd like oh, to yeah. hear what that experience was like. Uh, tell me about Belichick. Tell me about Parcells. <laughs> okay, so um, I usually don't talk about myself at all with football. I, I had very, I was very fortunate to play in the NFL. Um, I was very fortunate. Uh, I was drafted in the first round, 18th pick. Back in 1989, it was totally different uh, than compared to 2022 as far as the draft goes. So at 18th pick, 17 had not signed yet, and 19th had not signed yet. So I ended up missing three weeks of camp because 17 and 19th never signed. So I get to camp under Coach Parcells, and he just looks at me and he says, well, you know, we'll ease you in, you know, we're team nine on seven and all that kind of stuff. I said, great, you know, and I have my playbook. Long story short, we get out for the first practice. First team goes in. I go in at right guard. They absolutely destroyed me that morning practice. And if you've never been to New Jersey in July, it is ungodly hot and humid there. I go to lunch. I go on a full body cramp. Everybody's laughing at me. I'm crying because I'm, I can't move. And Parcells walks by me. And he just looks at me and kept going, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, this is what it's like in the NFL. Well, we go out. First preseason pre game, excuse me, was that following week. And at the time, we played Kansas City. And uh, Bill Moss was their nose guard. And he went to the University of Pittsburgh, so I knew of him. Well, first play of the game, I was in at center. And he ended up ripping my face mask off and calling me a rookie and blah, blah, blah. You know, and I just was like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea what to do. Well, I ended up ripping his face mask off. Second play of the game. We get in this big brawl. We both get kicked out of the game. This is my first game. The next day, Parcells calls me in and he looked at me. He says, you know what? I love the energy. He goes, just don't get kicked out again. But uh, from that moment on, I... I think I hopefully had respect from Coach Parcells, um, but I was very fortunate. You know, I had Coach Fox. I had Coach Belichick. I had Coach Nolan. I mean, I had, as far as that coaching staff, so many head coaches 
and now and in the past, Romeo Cannell. I mean, he was a coach. And uh, as far as my experience goes, it was just awesome. You know, I was very fortunate. I won a Super Bowl. Um, that's main, as Ron knows, that you, that's why you're in the NFL, to win a Super yeah. Bowl. And uh, I was very fortunate. And I and I I had a very fortunate career, and I was very, ha- very happy that I played. Well, that's cool. I didn't uh, – That I love the cramp story because it's – like, that's just – like, that reminds me of training camp. Like, like – Little things that, like, because we are seriously hurt. Coaches do care. But when it's, like, stupid stuff like that, they're like, man, get out of here. Like, just go get some water. You know, the thing is, it's probably the fun, the funnest thing right now with Max being in the NFL. We give each other so much crap to each other. I mean, these guys today, they're in camp for, what, four days? They (laughs) have no pads on. They have now this halo thing that they wear. (laughs) And, and you and I go to camp, it's three days for six weeks, no days off. And I'm so jealous because I wish I went through that. <laughs> but uh, that that's the fun thing. And, and you know what? We were talking prior. Who's a better athlete, Max or I? It's not even a question. Max is such a better athlete than we were. But I can tell you this much. We were twice as strong as those guys because – as you know, the only thing we did was Olympic lifts, and now the only yep. thing that Max does is a little band work and a couple <laughs> sit-ups for his core, and and then he walks out, he's done for the day. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> so, yes, I am jealous. <laughs> yeah, my dad used to tell me those stories because, you know, him and Mel Blunt, Donnie Shell, you know, they, they would tell me that six – because we were four weeks plus four preseason games. So, right. you know, it was – yeah, it was about yeah, it was about six weeks. You are right. It's about six weeks. So we had the four weeks, and then within that four weeks, we also have four preseason games. So it was two week, two and a half, three weeks before the first game, and then four more weeks. About yeah, about six or seven weeks. And then my dad would tell me like, no, we had six weeks of training camp before our first game. And if he were alive and could see this now, oh my god, he would he would be oh, like, this this is a country club. Be dying. Oh yeah. I got to tell you another story. We were out in Arizona last week. And you're talking about your dad and all those guys back then. Well, I'm going to tell the whole national crowd that I know Max's gate code because of two people. And this is so funny. You just mentioned it. So it, it was Mike Webster, yep. Frenchie Fuqua. Oh, yeah. So if you know those, if you know those two names, you know, the number of his gate and yep. you just brought up all those guys. I mean, I was very fortunate. Um, you know, the Three River Stadium and your dad and all the old guys back then. But it's so funny. Like I said, it's 52-33. So. Yeah, Frenchie, uh, Frenchie came to my dad's funeral and, and him and, and uh, Franco was there, which was so cool now. Like when I was a kid, I honestly, and Max probably feels the same way as I do. I didn't appreciate being around those guys. Like Tony Dungy and Mel Blunt would give me crap all the time about I'm soft and receivers are soft. You know, we could hit you in the head with a forearm. And I'm like, that's abuse. Like you can't forearm right. a receiver coming off the line of scrimmage. But they could back yeah. then. Like they could, they could beat the yep. crap out of a receiver. Uh, and so, and, and then Frenchie, you know, actually him and, and, uh, Franco were actually at the funeral talking about the immaculate reception. Like, cause, um, me and Joe green was That's there so as well. Cool. He, and he made a comment and Joe looked over at him and he's like, yeah, one of these days you 
are going to tell me what happened in that play because they both are holding on until they pass away. They said, we're there. Frenchie said, eventually when he passes, he will let people know, you know, if Frank or Franco, I think said, he'll let people know if, or if he, or no, 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 Frenchie, if he did or didn't touch the ball. And so he said, one right. of these days, he's going to, he's going to announce that to the world. But he's like, he must be dead and gone. So he doesn't have to deal with whether, you know, it went their favor or went against their favor. Cause either way, it doesn't matter. And that's what they all said. They were like, it doesn't matter. We got the ring. And my dad would always yep. say that too. Like, it doesn't matter. We got the ring. So move on and let's go. You know, yeah, no, thing, it was. No, I say yeah. the funny thing is you, you say you take it, you kind of took it for granted and all those guys and stuff like that. Um, I was very fortunate, uh, with my kids were a little bit older and I was able to bring them into the locker room and um, especially Max, because I have uh, my oldest is a daughter. My youngest is a daughter. So we had to be careful how old they were when they came in the locker room. But uh, you know, I, I, I Michael Strahan, um, probably one of the nicest guys you've ever met. And he mm -hmm. really, every time he saw Max or my kids, you know, always taking them around and, you know, signed shoes and all kinds of stuff like that. But um, he was very fortunate and my kids were very fortunate to know a lot of the guys. And um, I don't know if you remember William Roberts and uh, Adam Shriver played for the Vikings. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, all those guys, they're, my kids grew up with them. And, you know, all those guys used to read my kids books at night. You know, Monday nights we'd, we'd go have dinner and they'd come over and, um, so there were, there was just a lot of great memories, um, with the players and, and I was very fortunate that my kids, uh, you know, were, were able to experience that. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's definitely cool. Like when we played Michigan at Michigan on ABC, Lynn Swan was a sideline guy. And that's the first thing he came over and said, it was like, I remember when you were in diapers and honestly, as yeah. like a 21 year old dude, I'm like, man, what are you talking about, man? Like. Why are we talking about diapers on the sideline, you know? But then, you know, like I said, as I got older, I, I was like, oh, man, this Lynn Swan dude was legit. Like, but I just never, you know, like he was just Lynn to me. Like, I didn't I didn't see him as the football player. I knew him as my dad's friend. And, you know, and he 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 told me then, which now I understand. He was like, man, I felt old seeing you on the sideline at 21. You know, he's like, I remember when you were in diapers. And now when I see guys, you know, that I remember, you know, we're, we're kids and now they're in the NFL and, and, you know, their kids, kids are playing college football and, you know, Jimmy Wyrick who played for the Gophers, his son now at Stanford. And, you know, you see all this, and I'm like, man, yeah, we are getting old, but it's, uh, nope. it, it's fun. I'm glad we figure out the whole Brian situation. You know what though? It might be a Brian thing. Cause that's Brian Williams, Brian Williams, Brian DeBall and Brian Flores. Like it's, it's just a Brian thing. So I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to at some point, once we get Brian Williams on, uh, do a side by side and then tell that story. Well, next again. time you got to get the right one on, not the old guy. <laughs> I want to thank Brian Williams for joining us, Max Williams' dad. But Brian Williams, Super Bowl champion, Gopher. Uh, please make sure you check out everything we talked about earlier in the Brian Williams interview. Some great stories about Jerry Kill and Co and uh, PJ Fleck and what's going to happen in that game. I want to thank everybody for who continues to download, subscribe, listen, and watch. Thank you, and have a great day. <laughs>